the next box in the tachometer. We've been talking about positioning. Positioning ourselves so that we can have a high return on God's mandates. Maximizing your effectiveness in building your ministry, as we've heard in the testimonies. You can do this. You can do this. This process that you're going to be learning on these subsequent boards will change your life, will change your ministry, and, but you have to work it. The process has been proven. It works. You're hearing the testimonies. I'm here to tell you about 48 years of doing this, 30-plus some of them in senior management and the world system, they work, but you have to work it. You have to work it. It's not a quick fix. But the high return, maximum return, you got to get out of the dysfunction of doing where you lose your intimacy with God, major mistakes are made, and leaders are not developed. And then the next thing you need to do is to get into a position where, the, where it says leader. Here, where it says leader, and stay there. And get there consistently, consistently and don't deviate. Don't move from that position. And judge yourself rightly. Whatever you're doing that gets you over here, stop it. Make a change as fast as possible and get back in here where you're to be the leader. Otherwise, for that moment in time, however short or long that is, God has no leader. God has nobody to direct his work. And it's his work, not ours. So you must be here. But you can't be here. Why? Because the people that you have managed to keep, the 10 to 15% or whatever that number is for you, are way over here in terms of competency, in terms of their ability. You're trying to go to the outermost parts, and they can't get out of Jerusalem on their own yet because they haven't been trained. They haven't been discipled. So they can't help you. They can't hold up your hands. They can't help you build the ministry. They can't help you impact on a fact like the 10 to 15% because they're not trained. They're not developed. We have not discipled them. So you can't be here. You have to be over here and pull them along. You can't stay here. Well, and that's going to be the case for many of you. But we've got to start somewhere. So you've got to be over here, start building people, and pouring yourself into people, and bringing them to you so that we get them to the point where they're right here, next to you, like this. This is your strength. These are your builders. This is your first building team that's going to reinvent the ministry and build it into the future. You can't stay here unless you have people right here. So you have to have people right behind you here like this. And who are they? They're your core competent people. Core competency. Core competent people that can help you build your ministry. And the higher the competency, the more effective and the more efficient your building will be. The greater you will accelerate and torque your ministry into the future. The more efficient you'll be, and the greater the response per mandate, maximizing the response by the core competency that you have right directly behind you. And then the second thing we'll put up here are your errands and your hers. You have to have errands and hers. And here is your homework assignment before tomorrow's session. I'd like you to do this homework assignment. 
the last seven verses of Exodus 17 and all of Exodus 18. It'll take you 15, 20 minutes to read it. You know it. Many of you won't read it because you say, I know it. No, read it. Read it so that God can then give God 15, 20 minutes to minister to you. Let him etch the, his word into your spirit. Let him etch his word into your spirit. Let him confirm everything that I'm telling you here in your spirit with, through his word. And he'll teach you a lot more than I'm teaching you up here. I'm just going to get you jump started, and then he's going to show you a lot more in those, in those scriptures because those are, those are uh, emblematic of all that we're going to be doing here. The more will come clear to you as we go. So please do that homework assignment. Exodus 17, the last seven verses or so, and all of Exodus 18. And you'll read about Aaron and her in there. Now, when Moses looked like this, and you already read it, you know it, but I want you to know it even greater in context with what I'm teaching you here. So when Moses looked like this, what happened? They won. They prevailed. They had victory. Right. But then Moses got what? Tired. Like you. Working alone. Working alone. He got tired here. This got heavy for him to do this. And he needed help. And Aaron and her came and her got under one side and Aaron got under the other side and held up his hands. That was the first organization chart. The first organization chart. Here's Moses and when he looked like this, they what? They won. They prevailed, but he got tired. So Aaron got under here and her got under here and held him up strong. They kept him strong. They had his heart. You won't read in your homework assignment that Moses had to say, hey, you knuckleheads, can't you see I'm getting tired? I'm whipped. This is big, heavy. No, they had his heart. They said, hey, we need to help. We need to keep him strong because if, if, if he doesn't prevail, we don't. And we're all in this together. We've got to keep him strong so we all have victory. Leaders, we have to keep him strong so that we all have victory. So they held up his hands. Now, here was two, Aaron and her. And I submit to you that you can have no more than five direct reports. No more than five direct reports. Oh, you can have six, and some have six, and it works fine. And God will always cut you a little credit. You know, you can have seven, but it's not as good as a lower number. Uh, for a number of reasons, which become apparent as we go. But no more than five. You say, well, who said that? I just said it. I, <laughs> I, just, I just told you, five. No, but Harvard Business School will tell you that. And any, you ask any, any good CEO, any successful CEO, they'll tell you that's a good number. So this is your executive leadership team here. Names, titles are not that important, but let's call them what they are. They're your leaders. They're your builders. They're executives. They're the highest level of, this, these are not staff people. I, I don't like, and I'm not hung up with titles, but staff, you know, is, it's not what they are. They're not staff. They're your leaders. And the more you have, the, more, the faster you'll go, the further you'll go. So these are, this is you, but this is your team. This is your team right here. So this is where you pour your life into them. 
It's not about lecturing the whole place. We're going to see how this plays out in a few more diagrams here. But this is Moses had a team uh, that kept him strong, Aaron's and hers. Now, people ask me all the time, well, what do you want to have on your team? What do you mean core competency? So if I'm going to build a team or if I'm going to reinvent my, the current team, which isn't working that well, then what do I need to have? So I'll share that with you. From a reading from a coaching lesson that I send to partners once a month. This one is on team competence. It's one we published uh, quite a while ago, a couple years ago at least, maybe three or four. Team competence. These are seven things that I would recommend in answer to that question that you wouldn't want to have on your team. These are the competencies. Now, there, there are other competencies you will want to have, and I'll explain that in a minute. But number one is a sharp strategic mind, a strategic mind, somebody that thinks strategically. So what it would, that would be a person that exercises the wisdom, the understanding, the counsel, and the knowledge, and the spirits that Jesus provided for us and provided to those that, he, that God has entrusted to you. So these are people that are, they provide plans, they provide ideas, they provide recommendations. And they exercise those spirits from Isaiah 11:2, sharp strategic mind. A second would be a humble, teachable spirit. If discipleship is so important, if sending people, teaching people, developing people, training people is so important, then we have to have people who are humble and teachable and have a teachable spirit who can receive it. Unlike Proverbs 15:12, a scoffer does not love one who reproves him. So we, we, we don't love the people that will bring correction to us, just like the Holy Spirit does. So we, and, and the second part of that scripture is they do not go to the wise. These are those that come to you and say, thank you, Pastor, I appreciate you know, that you thought it was a good job, but surely I, there's something I could do better. What can I learn here? Please coach me. Please be honest with me, straight with me. How can I improve? How can I be better? That's what we want to have around us. Because that person's going to grow. They, they want to learn. They want to be better. Because they want to be all they can be for God. And they want to reach the fullness of their purpose and destiny in life. So they're humble and teachable. <clears throat> These, the testimonies that you've heard so far, they, they wouldn't be up here. I'm just the messenger. But they had to receive them. They had to... They had to be humble enough to bring me into their ministry and say, listen to this guy. That's a, that's a humble spirit. That, that, that they modeled that for their congregation. You know, I have to learn too. I'm learning. As a pastor, I'm learning. Uh, integrity and emotional maturity, number three. Integrity and emotional maturity. Warren Buffett, the guy we talked about yesterday who just thinks. Remember him? The richest guy. Uh, he, he said, you've got to have three things. You have to have ability, energy, and integrity. He said, if you don't have the latter, the first two will kill you. If you don't have integrity, they'll run roughshod with their energy and their ability over the sheep, over you even. So that you need to have integrity and emotional maturity. Emotional maturity, what is that? EQ. It's more important than IQ. Yeah, it's good to have bright people on your team. It's good to have people with a high level of intellect who have a lot of experience, good education, and can provide you with a lot of wisdom. That's good. But it's not very good at all if they don't have emotional maturity, EQ. 
They have to have EQ. I had guys working for me that graduated from Harvard. Some, one guy with a 4.0 in his MBA at Harvard. He was useless. I had to fire him. Well, he fired himself. I'll teach you how to do that. You don't have to fire anybody. You just tell them what you expect, and if they don't live up to it, they choose to leave. You never have to fire anybody. I want you to, that I, I, that I had to learn too. And I'll teach you that. But, but this, this guy, he couldn't relate to people. He was so full of himself and said all his head knowledge, but he didn't have any sensitivity. He couldn't listen. He didn't listen with compassion. He, didn't, he couldn't build a relationship with other people. So he was useless to me. Emotional maturity. They display godly maturity in all they do. Respect for God's precepts. Operate in righteousness. Operate in the likeness of God, Ephesians 4. Interpersonal, number four, interpersonal communication skills. So they have interpersonal communication skills, but listen, they're godly communication skills. In other words, they, they listen to people through God's ears. They see people through God's eyes, not in the natural. They walk in love, Ephesians also, five. Entrepreneurial instincts. So these are people that have the char your character, the character of the pastor, the entrepreneur, the builder, the creator, the CEO. They have your character. In other words, what's that mean? Well, they, God, you have the character of God. They need the character of God, the character that, of God that's in you. They need, because God is in it, interested in building. He's a creator, an innovator, an enlarger, an expander. He's a builder. He's not into maintenance. Nothing in there about maintenance. So they have to have a mentality of building. They have to always be thinking about improving. Always be thinking, thinking about taking what we've done here now and how are we going to build on it. And that's why we're going to build teams down through the ministry because one directive from God flows down all the way into the ministry where you have CEOs at all these levels who are going to simultaneously, not sequentially, simultaneously build your ministry into the future. So the more core competence you have deeper into the ministry, obviously the further you're going to go, the faster you're going to get there. Achievers, number six, achiever focused on results. These are people that are bottom line oriented. They care about the bottom line. They care about productivity. They care about performance. They care about execution. Those important buzzwords in the corporate world. Execution, productivity, performance. They care about that. They love God and they want to achieve for God. And they're the ones that instead of you waking up in the middle of the night agonizing over how we're going to accomplish that vision, they wake up in the middle of the night and agonize about how we're going to accomplish the vision God gave you. So you get a good night's sleep. So you can be the leader that God called you to be. And we have other people agonizing over the various parts of the ministry that they're over to accomplish the corporate vision and mission. And then finally, ability to attract and inspire other talent. We need people that will attract people, not repel them. We have too many people that repel people because they're not trained. So we turn them loose on people, and good people will say, I can't deal with this. Man, I'll give you a portion. I have a, my life is filled. My family, my job, I'm filled up. 
but I'll give you some time. I'll find time to help you build this ministry, but I'm not going to be playing games. And this is foolishness here. One of the things I love to see, is Amy here? Their daughter, Amy, is leading teams. And there are many others in here that are leading. She grasps this. She's young, but she grasps this thing. And she has people that are twice her age or three times her age on her team. But they respect her because she's working these processes. See, that, that has nothing. It's, it's when somebody works this stuff, then people are drawn to it. It's like a magnet. Wow, this is exciting. This is working. This is fun. This is not abuse. This is challenging. But it has to be modeled by you. Albert Schweitzer said, example is not the main thing in influencing others. It's the only thing. So it has to be modeled by you. And the only way that, that, that you're not going to start out with the epitome of core competency. In fact, there are three or four pastors here. I'll just tell you, this, this uh, I don't want you to be shocked down the road, so we might as well get the shock out right now. Uh, there are three or four pastors here I could, I'm not going to, but they could come up here right now and tell you that they don't have the same leadership team that they had when they started. Why? Because the people weren't willing to change and to become more competent. They didn't. They weren't teachable. And some of them were not even in living in righteousness. And we find out those things when you start to, we're going to talk about asking questions and depth charge questions. But when we hold the standard, then the light of truth shines on the dark areas. And, and, and we see, so God is always upgrading because he has an assignment. He has, to get, he has a plan, and we have an assignment. And he's always upgrading. But these pastors, I could put three or four of them up here right now. They would tell you, I don't have the same leadership team that one of them stood up several years ago in Colorado and announced to the partners at an advanced training where we get together every six months to dig and scratch and sniff and ask more tough questions and I really that's where I can best coach in a group setting this is a talking head there we dialogue but this pastor said I got to share a testimony he said I I've got the greatest leadership team I've ever had today these guys are and gals are lights out but none of them are the ones I started with they're all gone good because God has to sort and sift and he's going to upgrade, continually upgrade. He's going to purify, and then he's going to upgrade. And he's going to build the team that he needs to have to take the, his ministry into the future. So don't be surprised. But let me just throw this in. You're going to get a lot of resistance right out the gate. It may, sometimes it takes, one pastor said it took two years. My people came to me, said it took two years before they really believed we were going to do this stuff that you're learning here. Because we always had themes, you know, this is this year's theme, and oh, yeah, that'll come and go. And then, you know, but, you know, it took us two years to really believe you were going to do this. So, you know, you got to, but you're going to get a lot of resistance right out the gate. It'll wear you down. It'll wear you down if you succumb to the resistance. Find a few people that believe in this, believe in you, love God, and will fight for the vision and get them on the team if you can get one or two. Now, you can have fewer than five. I don't recommend much more than five, but fewer than five, but then you have to have more confidence. The fewer, the more confidence you have to have. 
That will become clear as we go as well. But you have to infuse. What does that mean? You have to form or impress into your people the God in you. You've got to get it into them. Because you have to replicate you. We're going to have to be the next box. But you have to replicate you. The God in you into others. That's your responsibility. And so core competency, Aaron's and hers, people that will hold up your hands and keep you strong and stay right behind here and fight the battle with you and build the ministry into the future. The next box. The next box, we're going to call that box replication duplication and I just used that word in cues stamp form duplicate yourself you have to duplicate yourself into who the whole ministry no just these five then we're gonna learn how these five have to replicate the God in you into others the Timothy process so replication and duplication so that's why it's so critical that you model this. Not just know it, but you model it. We talked yesterday. Your actions sp speak so loudly into my ears I can't hear what you're saying. So your actions are the teacher. The way you function, the way you behave. If you're doing the work of the ministry, you're modeling doership, not leadership. They, oh, I see what you do. Pat. You just help everybody do their job and cover for their mistakes and, you know, just flip-flop around. No. Replication. Incuse, form, impress into them the God in you. Everything that's, that's in you. And then this is where we begin. Well, let me, let me. Somebody said I need a roll, roller blades up here or something. The, the, bo the boards are so long, <laughs> long. Okay, so here's you now. And you've got your errands and hers, and you turn to them and say, okay, guys, let's fix the 15 and turn it to 30 this year, okay? Let's, let's, one of them or all of them, and you give them a building assignment. They're not here. Why not? They're over here, bringing these people along. There's a gap. They have nobody to turn to. Hang with me. It gets clear, but we, they're not here. They're developing these people. They have to. We have to develop these people to develop what we call a leadership whoops a leadership pipeline a leadership pipeline what is that what's a leadership pipeline it's this here god sends them to the door the minute they hit the door you and your team must architect a leadership pipeline design this why so it's continually spewing out leaders as fast as we can produce them so then they come out of the pipeline you design this thing you architect this you have this has to be tr a tremendously well-designed entity that produces the people that you're desperate to have and it starts with the brand we talked about yesterday. Right here, you, had, you have to know this, then you work the whole process back here to the beginning. 
right here. What are we going to tell them right here, who we are, what we want to do for them? And then how are we going to do it? And how do they know the value of this? Why do we serve? Are we just trying to capture people and abuse them? Or we want to help them become more valuable to God, for God? So you have to design this pipeline. And this here in the tachometer is starting to illustrate uh, we're going to develop a complete pipeline so that the next leader that comes out of the pipeline, we just plug them right in over here. They get on a team down here, and they start to learn how to build a ministry into the future. This is where they learn to build, down here. You can't put them up here, but the entry-level people can come out. This is the entry-level. This is not the finished product. We're, it's not, this is the finished product over here. This is just the entry level. You know, get to membership class or whatever you call it. This is the entry level for leadership, and we, get, we begin the process of teaching them how to build something. Because we're builders. God's a builder, an enlarger, innovator, creator. So we have to put that in them, modeled by you and your team. Your executive leadership team models that. So we have a leadership pipeline then that now here's you and here are your five, Aaron's and hers. Now we need to have Aaron's and hers. They need Aaron's and hers. Nobody works alone, remember? Nobody works alone. If there's five of them, they, need, they sh eventually need to have five Aaron's and hers holding up their hands. So we have a team of five under the team of five. Okay? So it, they have to have Aaron's. Otherwise, they turn, there's nobody to turn to. They're, they're not, now they're not leaders because there's nobody here. They're doers. And we need leaders at every level of the ministry. So we've got leaders here. You have your leaders, but they're not here. They're over here. But now we put Aaron's and hers behind them. So if there's five of them, then there would be 25. Aaron's and hers behind them, like that. Beginning with the pipeline's not complete yet, but we're starting a pipeline. And then we move over to box number four. In box number four, it's the same thing. We still have a void here. So we've got to fill this in. And if there's 25 Aaron's and hers, then they need each five. 125 Aaron's and hers are needed right out the gate at that, to, that, to the third level there. So here's you, the leader. Now you're properly positioned. Here's your Aaron's and hers. Here are their Aaron's and hers, like illustrated here. And then they need Aaron's and hers. And I won't draw them all on here, but you get in the picture. In fact, some of you are getting too much of a picture and you're saying, forget it, Jack. We don't have that many people in our congregation. <laughs> but get a vision. Get a vision. You will. A pastor here, I mentioned this yesterday, but he said, we have more people now on our leadership teams than we had in the whole congregation when we started. Get a vision. You, you can do this. You'll get there. But it takes these steps. It takes these actions. It takes these kinds of efforts to make this happen. But this is now. So we've filled in the 
the pipeline here now. It's illustrated here on the tachometer as a pipeline. And now we've got a pipeline designed there that is spewing out liters as fast as you can produ produce them. Remember yesterday, the $5 billion problem here? What happened? Why? Why? Why couldn't he go any further? No liters. Ran out of liters. Wherever you run out of liters, you're going to run out of gas. You're going to be finished. You can't go any further. Oh, you may go just a few more steps and putter out. So what is this? What do we call this? This is a leadership engine. This is an engine now. This, this thing is now barreling down the tracks. This thing is, you can't derail this thing. You, and you can even leave and come back and things are better. Better. Because you've done your job. They know what's expected. They know what the assignment is. They know, what, they know how to function. You've taught them. You've, you've incused into them. All the way down into your ministry. So, th that, so therefore, you can work on your personal mandates. You can write your book. You can get on TV. Or you can go on the mission field. You can come to these conferences, like somebody said. And I can be here and know that it's going to be better when I get home because they'll be working while I'm away. It's not going to all unravel. A leadership engine. What is that? What, what would be the descriptor of a leadership engine? Well, and wh what would it look like? Well, let me, let me draw it. So here's your team. The, this is who you impart yourself into, incuse yourself into, form yourself into, the God in you, into them. And the way that happens, the way you incuse or form or take the God in you and put it into them is you sit down with your team here. Now, you, when I wrote five, you said, wait, some of you said, well, wait a minute. Jesus had 12 disciples. Right. I can count. But he, he, had, he had three in his inner circle. He had a three. And some of you say, well, yeah, but what about G12? Well, gee whiz. <laughs> That's great. But G12 doesn't run the whole ministry. Having teams to run the ministry does not work. I know uh, a pastor who put so much into that and took us so much further with small groups and, and all of that, that whole concept. The original thinking was that they could run the ministry. Not possible. Not possible. So, but th what, are, what are these? These are small groups. I mean, you spend so much effort building small groups, right? Life groups. We know the value of that. Relationship building. And this is relationship building, building God's work. So these are life groups bringing life to the church. I mean, there's an assignment for a group. I, you can have the others. That's great. But this is small groups working to build God's kingdom. But my point in sitting here on this rock is that Jesus sat down and imparted into his people everything he was, everything he had. He taught them everything. He had to do it in three years. He had to do it in three years to, to start. He was building a succession plan here and building a legacy. And that's what you have to do right here. Leadership engine is the start of building your legacy. This is an engine that can't be derailed. But he, he, so like Jesus, you just work with your core group, your core team of people. But then they each have teams. 
under them. And then they have teams under them. You'll go deeper over time, not wider. You don't go wider. God drops another mandate on you, and then we add another box. And then he drops three more, and we add three more boxes. No, we go deeper, not wider. And then we have teams all the way down at this level here. And so a leadership engine is this. It's where leaders at every level of the ministry are training and developing future generations of leaders. Leaders at every level of the ministry are training and developing future generations of leaders. That's what a, a leadership engine is. That's what you have to achieve. And it, it'll go deeper and deeper over time. It's the, you say, where did you get that? Well, that's the second Tim, it's second Timothy 2, 2. I'm going to use black as much as I can today since it's harder to see the, the blue. But second Timothy 2, 2. Where do we get that? Second Timothy 2, 2. The world system knows this. They don't call, they don't get on CNN and say, we're working the second Timothy 2, 2 process. No, they just work it. And they call it their own wisdom. You know, this is what I thought of. There's nothing new under the sun. But God puts this out there for anybody who wants to take it and run with it. They just take it and run with it more than we do, better than we do in the body of Christ. But 2 Timothy 2.2, what's that? Well, let's change Moses here to Paul. So here's Paul now. Paul's in the box. And here are Paul's Timothys, plural. And here are faithful men. And here are others. Generational. It's generational. So leadership engine is leaders at every level training and developing future generations of leaders. It's not you lecturing the whole joint. That's a, that's, that's a waste of time, actually. There are, there are times for that, and there are good purposes for that, and there's meaningfulness in that on occasion. But you're not going to build the ministry through lectures. They don't get your heart from a lecture. Here's where they get your heart. And look at Paul. Paul put into his Timothys so well that those Timothys could put it into faithful men so that the faithful men could put it into others and others. That's how this has to work. Now you have depth. And now you have, you're building a succession plan and now you're going to leave a legacy. And you've got strength. But look, Paul did not put it into faithful men. And you as Paul, you don't put it, you put it into, this is who you work with right here, your team. You sit down there and you have your team around you when you work on God's mandates and you transform them in the process of doing his mandates. And you, this is it. But you do such a great job in terms of impartation and expectation into them that you, they know that you expect everything that you put in them for them, Timothy's, to put into faithful men without you. You're not there anymore. You're not even there. You've done such a good job that the Timothy's are putting it into faithful men without you. Then we work on the next level. And the Timothy's are so good at putting it into faithful men that the faithful men are putting it into others without the Timothy's. Are you getting this? You're all staring at me. I know you know the principle, but this takes time. 
to develop. I, I, I think you understand the concept here. But you see, that's, that's replication. That's duplication. That's, that's putting the God in you. And wh- what does that mean? I mean, when you say put the God in them, what, and, you know, what are we supposed to be doing? Well, what did Jesus do? What, what does it mean to, um, to teach, to impart, to do what we're just talking about there? Well, when I sat down with my team, I taught them everything that the, the, me, the people that got me this far in life taught me. That takes time. That's why those guys spend 50% of their time. When we get to your job description, 30% of your job description, at the minimum, should be doing this, sitting down with your team and imparting what? The learnings, the lifelong learning, your mistakes. What I'm doing here is sharing with you a lifelong series of mistakes. Your mistakes, the tools you acquired, the skills that you fought through, the mistakes that you made, the failures you had, the things that some of the great leaders in your life taught you. You're pouring all that into them, everything that's in here into them, replicating yourself. That's what you do. And you do it with every teachable moment, every opportunity you have to put it into them. Not a lecture. Teaching like Jesus. And when you do that so well with those core competent people that God has entrusted to you, then we replicate it down through the ministry. We have a leadership engine where leaders at every level of the ministry are leading and developing others into the future. Leaders at every level of the ministry training and developing future generations of leaders. So just to summarize this, let me, let me just say this. The core competency here, you'll never have too many core competent people because the deeper the core competency goes, remember I've said it three times already, these are all mini CEOs, satellite CEOs under you. They function exactly like you function, exactly the way your job description. We're going to look at the job descriptions next. So the depth of core competency you know, just have a couple people up here and everybody else losses the goose, isn't going to cut it. And then over here, the, you can never build the pipeline fast enough. And you can never pump leaders out fast enough. So get a maximum amount of core competency depth-wise, pump out leaders as fast as you can. You'll never have enough. There isn't a ministry in the world that has too many leaders. Because what does somebody just say? God can only fill you to capacity. So you've got to increase your capacity so he can continue to pour into your ministry. And then number three here, you're never too deep. Never too deep. Now every, every particular uh, mandate up here doesn't necessarily go three or four deep. But the deeper you go and the more complex, more sophisticated, more interdependent your ministry becomes, the deeper you'll want to be. Pastors need to know the vital signs of the ministry, but you do not have to be involved in every meeting, in it, read every memo, make every decision, solve every problem. Go to the mountain and hear from God.